and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. And I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 5, episode 22, The Gift. Death is your gift. (laughs) How could we forget? Oh, we're here. We've reached the end, Kara. Yeah. (laughs) And wow, what an ending it is. It feels like it's coming so quickly because you and I have accelerated our recordings. <laughs> it's true. This is our, our last regular recap episode that you're going to hear for a little bit over a month. Uh, we are recording this on March 13th. Uh, it's going to come out sometime in April, and then you're going to get a few bonus episodes in May, but we're going to be taking a little bit of a break on the account of Steph is going from a uh, thirsty Bangel Stan to a uh, thirst quenched wine mom. <laughs> I was going to say a thirsty Bangel Stan with a baby <laughs> leveling up. Yeah, and we've recorded successfully, I will add. Actually, you know what? I'm going to congratulate you, Cara. You and I did it. We we set a pretty hectic recording schedule over the past two months. One might say grueling. <laughs> one, one might say impossible. <laughs> But we did it, and I'm a little bit muddled from it, but we are here, and this ending, I cried. I cried twice during this episode. It's just as good as I remember it. Well, the the last three episodes all take place over a single day. I was going to say that. I was going to say, do I dare say that it's been one whole day since they took off in that motorhome <laughs> i mean if we wanted to be really hardcore we, we would watch an entire season in a single day and then we would record all of our episodes the day after damn maybe we should do that for season six <laughs> a challenge <laughs> i remember when i was a kid uh the space channel here in canada because we had a channel called space because why not uh they would run 26 hour like buffy marathons over christmas or new year's where they would run like the entirety of a whole season in like one day and it was amazing i love it was the best day of your life uh well never say never perhaps season six or seven that will be the way we do it or maybe that's how we cover angel (laughs) 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 okay the gift the gift here we are um i saw so many parallels between this episode and prophecy girl I loved this episode. This episode was so moving, so good. Such a good tie-up of not just season five, but all five seasons, you could say. And I think we should say now that I think, I'm pretty sure, this episode was meant to be the series finale in that they weren't sure if they were going to get picked up on a different network. The WB had ended the show, so I think they're shopping the show around at the time didn't know if they're coming back. So this was written 
as a series finale. Yeah, I've read slightly conflicting accounts. Yeah. I think you've summarized it pretty accurately, which is that the the contract with the WB was definitely over after five seasons. I've heard different stories at different times about whether or not Joss had seven seasons planned out. Because I've heard some people say that he originally intended to end it after five seasons and he decided to make it seven seasons when he, found, you know, mm -hmm. when like UPN picked them up or whatever. But I've heard other accounts like Evan Ross Katz's book was like, no, like he, you know, he had seven seasons mapped out from the beginning. You know, he was putting dialogue in the early seasons that was meant to pay off in season seven and stuff. So, okay, I don't know. That's something maybe we can talk about more in our season wrap up when we talk about what we think of this as a possible series finale versus the the next two seasons. <laughs> yeah. But since we don't know what happens next in this continuity. <laughs> in this version of the timeline. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I said this was my favorite episode a couple of times on this show yes. uh, in our intro and at various other times. It, it's my favorite because it's just so good. Like, say what you will about any of the plot choices in this episode. The writing, the dialogue, the acting, the music, the beats, like, this is such a well-constructed episode of television. It's such a well-constructed uh, season finale. I think it's right up there with Becoming Part 2, right? In terms of, like, the, the heart string tugging. And it's right up there with Graduation Day in terms of the sense at the end of the finality of it, right? Like, in Graduation Day, they blow up the high school. You know, and then Oz is like, we survived. Mm. <laughs> and in this episode, right, obviously, like, other things are final. And and yeah, like, it's a very satisfying ending to this whole arc with glory and the key and, you know, the loss that people have felt. Yeah, I have very few bad things to say about this episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I have nothing but praise for Sarah Michelle Geller and for Buffy herself. So I'm ready to get started. Are you? Let's get into it. Okay, so we do get this previously on Buffy, and it starts from the pilot. This is why, like... I didn't see this. No? Okay, so this episode does, like I said, it, it could it have been intended to be a series finale? So certainly it was for the WB, the overall show, I'm not sure. But they started with a previously on Buffy, and it started with the pilot with the Giles, his whole, you are the Slayer. And then we see Buffy be introduced to all her friends, including Cordelia. And then it goes forward through the seasons, showing like the highlights of Buffy saving the day, of all the things that she's um, overcome, of all the big character moments, not just for her, but for the Scoobies. And then it goes faster and faster and faster all the way through season three, four, five. And then it ends and we're starting the episode. So we open on an alleyway, a Sunnydale, um, a little Warren looking kid is running uh, for his life through the streets of Sunnydale and he ends up at a dead end. And this opening to me is so season one, right? Like it just, it shoots you right back to kid running for his I was, life. I was going to say he kind of looks like Angel because he's a pasty white boy with swept back uh, dark brown hair, except... Angel never wears bright colors, so I knew it wasn't Angel. You're like, wow, I, Angel, what are you doing here? Oh, wait. <laughs> so um, a vampire is running up behind this, ki this kid. I say kid. He's probably like, you know, 19. And he says, gave me a good run there. Bet the blood's just pumping. Bet it's hot. That's not how it works. Also, 
Your blood should always be roughly the same temperature. If it's not, something is wrong. Not only is this vampire stupid, <laughs> but he's also like being weird, <laughs> right? I bet your I bet your blood's pumping and hot. Um, <laughs> the guy the guy says, "Don't hurt me," and the vampire's like, "Like don't hurt you." <laughs> and then Buffy pokes her head out of a nearby building door and says, "Hey, what's going on?" And the guy's like, "Help me! Call the police!" The vampire's like, "Get out of here, girl." And Buffy comes out and she's like, you guys having a fight? Because, you know, fighting's not cool. And the boy's like, get out of here. <laughs> and the vampire's like, no, she wants to stay. I don't mind a little appetizer. And Buffy says, you ever heard the expression biting off more than you can chew? And the vampire just looks confused. And she's like, okay, how about the expression vampire slayer? And the vampire says, what the hell are you talking about? Buffy's like, wow, never heard of that one. Okay, how about, oh God, my leg, my leg. And the vampire attacks her, Buffy breaks his leg, and he's like, oh God, my leg. Which is pretty <laughs> impressive that she was able to predict exactly what he would say. <laughs> it's not her first time. Buffy says, see, now we're communicating. So they fight for a bit. The bu Buffy does get thrown in a dumpster briefly, but then she pulls out her stake, does some flip doos and snakes him. So... I'm here for the flip de doos I, I have to emphasize, she did not pull out her stake. She tossed him into like a stack of wooden pallets, which broke. And one of the pieces, conveniently stake-shaped, conveniently flew right into her hands. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I looked up at, <laughs> after taking my notes and she was holding a stake and I just assumed she brought it along. Buffy never brings her own stake. She's, always, she's very good at using the environment. It's true. She's like, why bring my own stake when I live in a world full of stakes? So Buffy uh, stakes the vampire. And then she's like, wow, it's been a long time since I met one who didn't know me. So she tells the guy to go home. And as she's walking away, he's like, how'd you do that? She says, it's what I do. And he says, but you're just a girl. And Buffy says, that's what I keep saying. I'm just a girl. I'm not a girl. Not yet a woman. <laughs> so Buffy is a badass. And this is why this reminded me of season one. Because we have, you know, this boy running for his life. We have a, one single vampire. We haven't seen Buffy take out one single vampire in a while. Buffy comes, saves a day. She does her fun quips, right? This is right back to the pilots, episode two. Like, same, same vibe, everything. But now that she's done it, and this kid says, you're just a girl. And she says, that's what I keep saying. She says it in a way that she's tired, Right? She's tired, and we've watched her this entire season. Well, the se entire series, really. But this season especially, especially the last half of the season, she's beaten down. Buffy's tired. She's had enough. She was in a coma last episode. Like, you know, she's traumatized, and she's she's had it. And I, that's something that I've noticed a lot in this episode. It's just that Buffy's kind of done. Well, she says it at a couple of points as well. <laughs> yeah. I, I think what this scene is meant to do, right, as you said, is bring us back to our roots. The show is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She hasn't do, been doing a lot of vampire slaying lately. She's been, you know, fighting with glory and Buffy, stuff. Buffy the god escapee. <laughs> yeah. Well, right, yeah, running away from glory. Yeah. And even this whole episode is her going up against glory, right? So I, I think it was their way of saying... One more? <laughs> just one more vampire? Just one little more, right? Just just come on. I love that opening. So Buffy comes back into the magic shop. She tells the Scoobies it was just a vampire. And she asks Giles to explain it again. She demands he explain it again. And Giles is like, yes, I am here for the exposition in case you missed the last <laughs> episode. No problem. So he says, the key was living energy. It needed to be channeled. 
poured into a specific place at a specific time. The energy would flow into that spot. The walls between the dimensions break down. It stops. The energy used up. The walls come back up. Glory uses that time to get back into her dimension, not caring that all manner of hell will be unleashed on Earth in the meantime. So, Kara, apocalypse time. That's what's going on. Anya says, only for a little while, right? The walls come back. No more hell. And Will's like, that's only if the energy is stopped. And now that the key is human, is Dawn, Giles says the gates will close when the when it flows no more. And he takes off his glasses when he says that, Carlos. And we know he's being serious. And he says, when Dawn is dead. So Tara screams, I have to places to be. And Xander says, why Dawn's blood? Right? Like, why wouldn't it be a lymph ritual? Oh. I know, it's not better, Xander. No, nobody wants to deal with lymph nodes, Xander. <laughs> Spike says, because it's always got to be blood. Blood is life. Why do you think we eat it? It's what keeps you going, makes you warm, makes you hard. <laughs> uh, what are you doing here, Spike? <laughs> makes makes you other than dead. Of course, it's her blood. Buffy says, pretty simple math. We stop glory before we can start the ritual. We still have a couple of hours, right? And Giles says, if my calculations are right, but Buffy, and Buffy says, I don't want to hear that. And Giles says, I understand. Buffy says, no, you don't understand. We are not talking about this. Giles stands up and he shouts, yes, we bloody well are. If Glory begins a ritual, if we can't stop her, and Buffy's like, well, come on, then say it. We're bloody well talking about this. Tell me to kill my sister. And Giles says, she's not your sister. Whoa. And, well, he, and he kind of like spits out the words right like he's like she's not your sister yeah yikes okay so do you think that giles is actually believing this or do you think he's just saying this to get buffy's head in the game yes to which (laughs) both (laughs) Both. i I think giles is telling himself to believe that okay yeah because it doesn't i thought that was harsh this is this is the thing about giles and and we've seen this in the past and we're seeing it in this episode you know, Giles is much more the pragmatist than Buffy. Giles is the one who told Buffy earlier this season, right? Like, we have to let these uh, these places that vampires go to hu- feed consensually on humans slide because you can't take them all out, Buffy, right? Giles is like, some evil is always going to exist. And here, what he's saying, right, is if I have to choose between killing the key, who happens to look like your sister, or the fate of humanity, I'm going to choose killing the key, right? Mm-hmm. But, and what's interesting to me, and this will come up a little bit later in the episode, but like, this is, you know, the same choice that Buffy had to make back in season two yes. with killing Angel. Yeah. The, the, again, why I like this season finale so much is because it ties in to other season finales that we'll bring up. Prophecy Girl is one and Becoming Part Two is the other big life or death moments for Buffy. So Buffy says, no, she's not. She's more than that. She's me. The monks made her out of me. I hold her and I feel closer to her than it's not just the memories they built. It's physical. Dawn is part of me. The only part that I dot, dot, dot. So she doesn't finish that sentence because Willow cuts her off, says, we'll solve this. We will. Don't don't have another coma. <laughs> um, but when when Buffy says the only part that I dot, 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 I want to know what she meant by that. Dawn is the only part of me that is what, human now? Or like like tied to her humanity? That's what I'm thinking. Uh, but very interesting choice of words. It's the only part she has left. Yeah. Because her mom's gone. 
like her only tie to like family. Oh, it's sad. So Giles says, if the ritual starts, then every creature in this in this world and every other dimension imaginable will suffer unbearable torment and death, including Dawn. Buffy says that the last thing she'll see is me protecting her. And Giles says, she'll die. You'll die. We all will. And Buffy says, I'm sorry. I love you all, but I'm sorry. All right. Like, you know what, Giles? Fair point. Fair point. Right? Like, even if you want Dawn to live and you're going to do everything you can to save Dawn, if she bleeds and you don't kill her, she'll die anyway. That's what he's saying. And I'm like, mm, you know, fair play, fair play with Giles. I really see where he's coming from with his argument. This is when Anya jumps into action and she says, okay, all in favor of stopping glory before the ritual, suggestions, ideas, <laughs> time's a wasting. You just know that eventually Anya is going to graduate from the magic box to work at some corporate job, oh. like a marketing team. Oh, I know. I had that point later because um, she says something along the lines of, let's think outside the box. And I was like, she's in a corporate job. So <laughs> Spike says, when you say you love us all, and Xander and Giles are like, shut up, because obviously <laughs> Buffy was not referring to Spike. <laughs> Anya says, Willow, I bet you have some dark spell of Bruin. Like, make her a toad, a little hoppy toad. Hit her with a hammer. And um, Xander says, what about Ben? What about Ben the intern, guys? He can be killed, right? He's an innocent, but not like Don innocent. We could kill a regular guy. And everyone <laughs> looks really uncomfortable with this. And Xander just says, God, God. So, so I want to just pause for a moment and reflect on the fact, you know, knowing that what we know, having watched the whole episode and what happens. Xander is the one who suggests this, yeah. right? Like, Zan of all the people, Xander, who was the heart, if we remember from season four, Xander's the one talking about killing an innocent. I just think that's really interesting. I'll be like, Xander, you know that Ben isn't a vampire, right? <laughs> Does someone explain that? Because I'm sure if he knew... Well, Xander's always been hostile to anybody attracted to Buffy. It's, so. Well, that's true. We can't disregard that. But yeah, the, it is an interesting... I a little Xander slander in there somehow. Uh, somehow. But like, he backtracks pretty quickly right he's like oh well we could kill ben and then he's like well we can't really kill ben so. but that's what they do when they don't get support for their obviously extreme proposals right they they're you know he's just testing the waters here right and he's like okay well i gotta radicalize the scoobies a bit more and then maybe next year they'll be okay with killing humans he's just playing the long game that would have been the perfect opportunity for them to be like is that right and like really throw it in his face so Giles says it's doubtful he'll surface again this close to the ritual. We can expect its glory we'll be dealing with. Willow says we don't have to kill her. We just have to stop her from doing her ritual. There's only one time she can do it, right? Willow, why don't you use your teleportation spell again? You only got a bloody nose last time. Just do it again. Spike says, yeah, we just got to keep her occupied until it's too late. Anya says, okay, but I'm not hearing enough ideas. <laughs> She's a god. Let's think outside the box, people. <laughs> and that's that's where I was like, ah. Uh, Corporate culture, Anya. Spike says, why don't you think outside the bleeding box? And Giles also snaps at Anya. He's like, yeah, Anya, apart from your incredibly uninfectious enthusiasm, do you have anything else to contribute? Does she? Does she ever? Because Anya <laughs> says two amazing things that are used in the final battle. She says... The Dagon Sphere. When Buffy first met Glory, she found that magical glowy sphere meant to repel Glory. And we've got it in the basement. It might drive her away or hurt her. And oh, we have Olaf the Troll God's enchanted hammer. You want to fight a god? Use the weapon of a god. I like how she moves towards being displayed <laughs> in the magic box and like waves her hands, yeah. right? She's like, here it like is. Like Price is Right. <laughs> uh, 
Or like the shopping channel where it's like, <laughs> act now. But she's so right for this, you know? And Spike says, that thing's too heavy too, but Buffy picks it up like no problem. <laughs> I love that. I love, I, and I specifically love it because they're making fun of Spike. <laughs> yeah, who couldn't lift it in blood ties. <laughs> and Buffy's like, oh, I like this. And she thanks Anya. And Anya says, here to help, want to live. Love this for Anya. She's so smart. Xander says, smart chicks are so hot. And Willow smiles at him. And she's like, you couldn't have figured that out in 10th grade. And there's another callback to season one, right? Willow crushing over Xander. Xander being like, Buffy won't go to the dance with me. (laughs) Take us back. (laughs) But also, does that, is Willow implying that she thinks Buffy isn't smart? Oh, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> hmm. Well, no, we, but we kind of knew that because remember all through the last couple of seasons, like Willow's like, Buffy, you did better than me in class. Like, I cannot believe this. <laughs> right? I'm just saying, I'm just <laughs> right? saying, like Willow, you know, you got to be careful with your jokes here. <laughs> Giles says, we have some ideas if we could actually get Glory on the run. And Buffy says, we still have no idea how to find her. That's when Tara calls out. She says, it calls to me. I have to be there. Big day. And everyone's like, oh, bingo, bango. Tara knows where to go. We have Ben, the sexy, murdering, (laughs) treacherous intern. (laughs) Yes. Minion hurting, sometimes casual clothes wearing, hospital fired intern. Uh, Now, yes, the sorry, Ben, the sexy, murdering intern treacherous ex-intern former intern uh he's he's in the robes that he's time sharing with glory uh he approaches don who's sitting in a little like holding chamber uh and he says you have to put this on for the ceremony and don has decided to turn her surly 14 year old attitude up to 11 and says what if i don't what if i don't like the color keep it up don love it (laughs) keep it up and ben says i wish there was a different way Don says, and I wish you'd fall on your head and drown in your own barf. So I guess we're both disappointed. <laughs> I want to do this as a table read one of these days. This would be awesome. Bed says, I think it'll be quick. Okay. And the minion. This. <laughs> I've, I've, this we've seen this so one before. And I, again, I forget his name. This is not Merc from last week. Uh, but it's also not Jenks. Um, or or drag <laughs> just as for drag but the minion interrupts at this point and says actually sir the bleeding is quite a slow process to give the portal time and ben's like thank you for the information <laughs> and he says i'll do what i can to and don cuts him off and she says change and he's like what she's like be her i don't want to look at you she starts kind of chanting be glory be glory 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 and she's like you know getting increasingly kind of unhinged and attitudinal and so ben's getting annoyed and he starts saying well will you just stop and then he turns into glory and she finishes the sentence shouting already and she's like what's the hubbub bub what you got against old benji (laughs) and don says he's a monster at least you're upfront about it glory says don't be so hard on the boy he just wants to live most guys would do the same Besides, he's probably the reason your sister and her little cartoon friends are still alive, which I think is a, a little subtle reference to the name of Scoobies. Mm. That nagging little pinch of humanity that makes me go for the hurt instead of the kill. Lowering myself to trade blows with the Slayer when I should have just put my fist through her heart. It's gotta be Ben. Don says, or maybe you just can't take her. And Glory does not like this comment. She takes the the robes that 
Ben had brought in, throws them at Dawn, yanks Dawn up off the ground and says, funny thing, you've been here for a few hours now and haven't seen Big Sis galloping in to save you. She probably knows what a terrible mistake that would be. And Dawn, who's again being so brave, she says, she's not afraid of you. And Gloria says, no, sweet baby, I'm talking about the ritual. You know I bleed you. The portal's open. But once you die, they close. The faster you die, the better for your sorry species. Betting Buffy knows you. Since she's not really your sister, I'm guessing she's not going to show. And if she does, it might not be to save you. And then she throws Dawn across the room, and Dawn says, Buffy! Buffy! I like that you said that Dawn's brave, because that is something I noticed in this episode. I was like, Dawn really does really well in this episode. Like, she stands up for herself. She she holds it together as best she can. She is very brave. And I think that with Giles kind of turning on Buffy here, with Glory saying that, uh, I think your sister knows exactly what's going to happen. She might not come at all. I think that the episode is trying to line things up to make us think, will Buffy betray Dawn, right? Will she have to kill her just like she killed Angel at the end of season two? So Buffy's taking out her frustration on a punching bag. Giles comes in and says, you sure you're not going to tie yourself out? And then he says, we're still working on ideas. Time's short, but best leave it to last minute. We get in too early. She takes us all out. No chance of getting her to miss her window. And Buffy says, then we wait. And she punches the punching bag so hard, it flies to the ground. And Giles says, I imagine you hate me right now. And then he says, I love Dawn. And Buffy says, I know. And Giles says, but I swore to protect the sorry world. And sometimes that means saying and doing what other people can't. They shouldn't have to. And I was like, Giles, isn't that Buffy's job? Foreshadowing for later in the episode. That's what I mean. This episode is just like, oh, I love it so much. Mm -hmm. And Buffy says, you try and hurt her and you know I'll stop you. And Giles says, I know. So they sit together on the couch and Buffy says, this is how many apocalypses for us now. And Giles says, six at least. Feels like a hundred. Okay. So can we pause and try to count the apocalypses? (sighs) Okay. Prophecy girl. Yeah. It's one. A Cathla. Yeah, that's two. The Zeppo. Yeah. Good good for you to remember that one. I almost forgot that one when I was counting earlier. So it's three. I don't think those graduation day count. Like does I think so. The Ascension count. I think so. Okay. That's four. Well, my question is, does yeah. Adam count? No. <laughs> but doomed. Yes, doom counts. That's, doom definitely that's counts. Five. That's five. Yeah. Yeah. Does, does Adam count? We can say... Sh- we could say yeah. It could be Adam. Or maybe it's the the one in season four with the Dark Prince. Which one? The one where Giles is like, oh, the Dark Prince is going to rise. And he goes oh. to deal with it. And then it's <laughs> and like the, Ethan. the initiative had already done it. Yeah, the initiative already no, swept No, I think there. that was, I think Ethan was there. Yeah, yeah. Because remember, because like Giles wanted to stop it. But all the stuff that was like for it in that crypt had already been cleared out by the initiative a few days okay. before. And Ethan was there, but not So I don't know that. if that counts as Buffy stopping it, though. No. And was there an apocalypse this season? I don't think so. Not yet. So listeners, write in with what you think the six apocalypses are. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think, yeah. I think I, I guess we have to count Adam. Yeah, this is... I love it when we get to a point in a series where the characters can joke about how many times they've saved the world. It's something that happens <laughs> yeah. on Stargate SG-1 as well, and I just think it's hilarious. Yeah, and I, I want to add, too, because at the beginning of the episode, I said how Buffy is just tired. She just sounds done, right? Like, God, like, 
Giles sounds tired too. The two of them look and sound exhausted. They never get a break. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think like if you shoot back a couple seasons ago, they'd be like, we've saved the world like so many times, ha ha ha. And it would have been a lot more cheery. But in this case, they're both just like, like it feels like a hundred. Like this feels like our millionth apocalypse. I'm tired. This is the scene. And that's the quote that made me feel like this is a series finale more mm-hmm. than ever to yeah. me. If it were to be the series finale, this is like, wow, we saved the world so much. I'm fucking tired. <laughs> so Buffy says, I've always stopped them. Always won. I sacrificed Angel to save the world. I loved him so much, but I knew I was right. I don't have that anymore. I don't understand. I don't know how to live in this world if these are the choices. If everything just gets stripped away. I don't see the point. I just wish. I just wish my mom was here. And this is the first time I cried in the episode. I got very yeah, I teary was, at that. I don't know if I cried, but I was definitely tearing up at this point. This yeah. is the thing, right? Is what I was asking myself at this point was if this Buffy had been in the position of having to kill Angel, would she have made the same choice that season two Buffy did, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that what's so interesting about the way that a character grows in a series like this is you can reach a point where you have the character saying, I regret my past choices, right? If I could go back and do things differently, I would have. So I'm not sure this is what Buffy's saying, but it sounds to me like she's kind of saying, like, if I had the choice back then, right, if I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have killed Angel back then. Mm, Interesting, because I feel like I feel like then it was true, like she had no choice. She had to kill him. But she has no choice now. She, but she's making a choice. She's like, I don't let the world burn. I'm not killing my sister is what she's right. saying. But that, that's what I'm saying is like, you know, let's pretend she didn't face that choice back in season two. Uh, right. But now she had the choice right. to kill Angel now. Right. Like this older, wearier Buffy it's is saying like, I wouldn't do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. She's like, well, what's in it for me at that point then? Well, and, and not even what's in it for me. Right. Like, I don't think this is her being selfish. I think this is her saying like. Why does me saving the world always involve me having to hurt the people I love most and lose them? And having, she says it here, like having to strip, strip these things she loves away from her. Yeah. How is that fair? Why do I want to live in a world where these are my choices? Again, like she, like, and then when she says, I wish my mom was here. I wish the one person who would just comfort me and hold me and treat me like the innocent life I lost. (laughs) She's gone. She's gone. And I have to like... What's the reverse of a shout out? Uh, uh, withdrawal. <laughs> like the Watchers Council. What the fuck? Right? Like, where are you guys? This is literally hell being unleashed on Earth. And you're sending no backup. Like, you're just, you showed up. You were like, she's a god, Buffy. And then you left. And, and you're like, good luck. Like, hope you can deal with this. And if you don't, too bad for you know, the world, like... Sucks to be ass, I guess. (laughs) The Watcher's Council, you know, setting aside the misogyny inherent in, you know, we're going to turn one single girl into the Slayer and use her as a child soldier and then discard her when she's no longer useful. But it's also just like, it's such a silly way to fight evil because it's like, you know that one person cannot stand against all the evil of the world. So it's, and and you know, the Watchers Council is running around averting other apocalypses, right? Like, I think the the first scene in this episode 
is meant to remind us that Buffy is supposed to be a vampire slayer. And I get the impression that the slayer averting other supernatural apocalypses is actually kind of a new thing that Buffy maybe started. Um, <laughs> you know, I think maybe like other slayers used to just be vampire slayers. And then Buffy was just like, I'm going to diversify. Um, and so like, she's not meant to be fighting God level evil. It's just something she's kind of fallen into over the past several years. But it's like, what would you do if Buffy weren't here fighting Lori in this moment, Watcher's Council? Would you just accidentally let the world burn, right? Like, what is your backup plan? It, that doesn't make sense to me, right? It's like, what, if this is such a big world-ending threat, why are you letting Buffy go it alone? They should also have invested interest in Buffy because if she dies, another one doesn't get called because Faith is in prison. It's not like they're going to have a new soldier if Buffy happens to perish in this upcoming fight. I feel like they're kind of done with the Slayers at this point. <laughs> well, she embarrassed them, Kara. <laughs> she made them feel low. So they're just going to abandon her and Giles. They're just going to let the world burn. They're like, fine. <laughs> this woman made us feel bad. So goodbye, Earth. <laughs> Everyone is just done. Every single person in this episode is just done with everything. So... Tears in her eyes, Buffy gets up to go, and she says to Giles that the spirit guide told me that death is my gift. Guess that means the Slayer really is just a killer after all. And Giles says, I think you're wrong about that. And Buffy says, it doesn't matter. If Dawn dies, I'm done with it. I'm quitting. And she leaves Giles alone. So remember in Prophecy Girl, Buffy said she was quitting as well, right? She found out she was going to die. Well, and and she did quit at the end of Becoming. Yeah. <laughs> that's what i'm saying like she like buffy once in a while just quits and it's fine <laughs> so i find it comes along with the conversation we've already been having about buffy making choices buffy being fucking tired of making these kind of choices right like it's too much she was tired at the end of season one <laughs> right she was like i quit i resigned again, right? the slayer was never meant to be a long-term strategic general like this right the slayer was yes. always meant to be a short-term weapon with limited survival and then you throw her away Buffy is really breaking the mold when it comes to this and not to like disparage her for doing that, but also like it's no wonder, right? Like she probably has PTSD at this point. Absolutely. And I feel like so her journey this season since episode one was to discover more about being a slayer. And I think she was very invigorated by that at first. But over time, over the season, she's become more and more disillusioned by it, not just because of what she's learned about being a slayer, but from life, right? Like she had to go through a breakup. Her mother died, so she's grieving. Her sister might die now. She's going through a lot. Then she talks to Senea, and Senea's like, your death is your gift. And she's like, well, what the fuck, right? Like she interprets her her destiny as a slayer as being a killer where she's destined to now kill her sister just as she killed her lover in season two. But earlier in this episode, she was very clear. It's not just about killing my sister. She's part of me. And I feel like a big part of Buffy is like, if I kill Dawn, who's my blood, who's literally feels like she's comes from me, like her daughter almost, that's killing off the last little bit of humanity and faith in everything that I have. Yeah. And she doesn't want to do that. And that's why it's a bigger deal than killing Angel in season two who who had to go. In this case, Dawn, like, you that's know, fair. she she wants to save her um, yeah. because she wants to save herself in a lot of ways. And let's not forget that in Fool for Love, Spike was telling her, you know, you have a death wish. 
I just and I still just, don't I still don't agree with that. I don't agree with it either, and I think we'll get to that at the end of this episode as well. But I'm saying that's part of the disillusion that Buffy's feeling about her destiny. Again, like at the end of Prophecy Girl, at the end of Becoming, Buffy has passion and tears and she quits and she has like her moments of running away and everything. At the end of this episode, or right now anyway, she's fucking tired. She's done. She's just like, if I kill Dawn, you'll like, I, that's it for me. Done. So Dawn has changed and is very neatly placing her clothes and shoes on the bench as the minions tell Glory that it's time. Very neat of you, Dawn, right? Like my last little chore. <laughs> Glory says, okay, campers, it's almost stab time. Get her. And the minions grab Dawn and she starts screaming, Buffy, as she's being taken up into the construction site. And there is a giant structure that oh all God. of these suck job patients put together for this. In like, what, six hours? Like it hasn't been that long. <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> later, I, I assume later, um, I'll, I'll bring it up then. It can't be that far away from right. wherever the magic box is. Right, they're all like, where's Glory? It's like, um, <laughs> maybe check out the all-night construction site, dear <laughs> right? Where all the light and noise coming from and residents are complaining. <laughs> right, like, that was my other thought, was like, Sunnydale seems like a, you know, it seems like it's about a Thunder Bay-sized town, and... If there was anywhere in Thunder Bay where somebody was building a giant tower structure overnight with a whole bunch of people, you know, just walking around the site, you bet other people would show up, right? Like, you know, people would just kind of cruise by to rubberneck, right? People would be like, what's going on out here? Unless you're like out in the country, you can't do anything secret like this. It's going to be so loud and, you know, like, why is there nobody noticing what's going on? And I will say a big part of my job is dealing with inquiries and complaints about construction, right? So you best believe residents of Sunnydale are calling up the city of Sunnydale to be like, what is going on? It is 3 a.m. and there is a giant structure being constructed in my backyard. It's ruining my view of the ocean. The noise bylaws state that you cannot work after midnight. When I bought this condominium, I was told that there was a no, you know, they wouldn't build anything any higher than five floors. And this is blocking my view. This is unjust. I oh. want to speak to the counselor. Yeah, we know that that's happening. Next door is popping off. So chef, shout out to the city of Sunnydale's communications team who are handling all the complaints right now. Let's get to Giles, who is asking down the stairs of the magic shop into the basement. He's saying, any luck? Have you found the Dagon Sphere? And Anya and Xander were doing a quickie. They were getting it on in the basement and they just finished. And Anya's saying, I'm sure it's here. Just be a minute. And Xander's like, yep, yep, we're on it. And Giles, I think, knows. He's like, time is a factor and like leaves them to it. And so Anya and Xander are performing an age old act, which is end of the world sex. Fair enough. Willow and Oz did the same thing. Remember? And then Buffy and Angel had bite sex. Remember? I don't, I don't need to remember it. I'm fine. We don't have to bring it up ever again. Let's let's go back to those no. days. <laughs> I'm good. This this episode's all about nostalgia. Um, Xander asks Anya if she's more relaxed now. She's like, no. And Xander's like, oh, I, it sounded like you arrived. 
Anya's like, yes, I had the pleasure moment and the blissful calm that comes right after that. Oh, that only lasts a couple of seconds. And now I'm terrified again. So Xander says, well, you don't have to be. And then he finds the, the Buffy bot, which is still st- standing there. And he screams and he's like, why didn't they melt it down into scrap? And Anya says, I think Willow wanted it. And Xander says, I don't think Willow feels that way about Buffy. I know she's going through some changes, but and Anya's like to study it. And he's like, oh, yes, robotics science and this takes me back to end of season three season four whatever where i was like why isn't willow taking robotic engineering mechanical because engineering she's being corrupted by magic and she doesn't care about science anymore right i was like she's like taking like literature stuff and drama i was like willow you should be a scientist so then anya screams she says who would put something like that there is this supposed to be some sort of sick joke and she picks it up it's a stuffed bunny rabbit and she says, it's an omen, a-, a higher power trying to tell me through bunnies that we're all going to die. Oh, God. <laughs> and Xander says it's going to be okay. She says, usually when there's an apocalypse, I skedaddle. But now I love you so much that instead I have to have an appropriately timed sex and try to think of ways to fight a god. And I worry that something terrible might happen to you. And I also worry that something might happen to me. Then I have guilt that I'm not worried about everyone else, but I just don't have enough. And I'm on a total overload. And I honestly don't think I could be more nervous than I am right now. And of course, Xander chooses this moment of anxiety to be like, care to wager on that? And he holds out a ring in a box. What do we think of the ring? I didn't get a good look at it, but um, okay. I'm not very judgy with rings. I think whatever you like, whatever you want, whatever style, that's totally on you. But Anya would be. Anya would care a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And I think her style would change over time, too. I don't think she'd be a timeless girl. I think she'd she'd want something really trendy. Uh, He says, Anya, you want to marry me? She slaps him. She slaps him right across his face. And and he says, can I take that as a maybe? She's like, you're proposing to me because I'm going to (laughs) die. She's like, you think it's romantic and sexy and you won't have to go through with it because the world's going to end. And I was like, Anya, that is your vengeance, ex-vengeance demon. The one that represented scorn women across the world. That's her coming out. And I love it. She has a point. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I love it. I think it's great. Xander says, I'm I'm proposing to you because it's not. And she says, you can't know that. He says, I believe it. I think we're going to get through this. I think I'm going to live a long and silly life. And I'm not interested in doing that without you around. Anya says, oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. That was fine. That line. That's fine. He says, okay. She says, yes. I mean, no. After. Give it to me when the world doesn't end. And they kiss. And I will give it to Xander. This is a very sweet moment for the two of them. Meanwhile... Buffy is asking Willow what she's got from her research, and Willow says, Some ideas. Well, notions. Or theories based on wild speculation. Did I mention I'm not good under pressure? And Buffy kind of like gives Willow this kind of look, you know, the the we've been friends for four years look. Uh, She says, I need you, Will. You're my big gun. And Willow says, No, I was never a gun. Someone else should be a gun. I I can be a cudgel or pointy stick. (laughs) Okay, but I want Willow to think back to last episode where she took control 100%. I think when Buffy is at her full strength and making all the demands, Willow very much likes to back up into the Scooby sidekick role. But when she has to step up and be the big gun, 
She has no problem doing that. We've seen her do it right, multiple but times. She doesn't believe that she's capable of doing that, right? She doesn't realize that's what she's doing in the moment. And that mm -hmm. has been Willow's journey this whole series. You know, when we first meet her in season one, she's getting bullied on the daily by Cordelia. And she gradually grows. Season two, she's now the computer science teacher being, uh, you know, horribly exploited by Principal Snyder. And then uh, we, we carry on, right? And she's growing as a person and as a, a leader. Uh, and she's becoming more formidable, but she doesn't recognize that. She doesn't give herself credit. Mm -hmm. I think it's really sweet that Buffy makes time for her in this moment here, especially what happens in a moment. So Buffy says, you're the strongest person here. You know that, right? You're the only person who's ever hurt Glory at all. You're my best shot at getting her on the ropes. So don't get a jelly belly now. And Willow says, well, I have one idea. The last few days, I've mostly been working on ways to help Tara. I, I know that sh shouldn't be my priority. And Buffy just takes Willow's hand and she says, of course it should. And I love this moment, Steph, because mm -hmm. it would it could have been so easy for Buffy to just be like, yeah, like that shouldn't be your priority. We should be fighting glory. Like we should get, you know, get Dawn back, right? Like how dare you think about Tara? Because Buffy is so laser focused on Dawn and understandably so. So the fact that Buffy had the emotional maturity to, you know, pause and be like, yeah, like your priorities are in the right place here, Willow. I think it's really, really sweet. And it made me think back to in season four when Willow comes out to Buffy, right? And Buffy kind of freaks out in the moment. Mm -hmm. How far we've come from then when it's like, yes, Buffy was surprised at first that Willow had these feelings for Tara, but Tara has now become such an integral part of Buffy's idea of Willow that, you know, there is no hesitation when she says, yeah, of course you should be caring for Tara first. Tara is going to be your priority, and I accept that. I think that also highlights what I was thinking about just, just the Scoobies in general. They're the good guys, right? And they're going to always lean toward love, except for Giles, who's like killed on. Um, but look at this, like Xander's proposing to Anya. Anya's leaning into having sex with Xander and finding comfort in her boyfriend. Willow is admitting that she's been more concerned with Tara than she has about Glory because she loves Tara. Buffy wants to protect her sister above all else. And I think that's just something that... It's always been there with the Scoobies, but we see over five years how that's progressed into great strengths of all of them. Yeah. So Willow says she's been charting uh, their essences and thinks if she can get close enough, she might be able to reverse what Glory did, take back what she took from Tara. And this could weaken Glory, could make her less coherent, or it could make all their heads explode. So... Six of one, half dozen of the other. <laughs> Giles calls for Buffy, and Willow says she's going to work on it. So Willow goes over to Tara while Buffy leaves, and uh, Willow says, don't worry, love. It won't be long. And Tara, like, slaps Willow hard across the face. Uh, and this is, like, really shocking. Mm -hmm. uh, and Tara says, bitch, I'm supposed to work on the factors. And then her, her mood just does a complete 180. You know, this look of pain crosses her face like she understands what she just did and she maybe regrets it. And Tara starts to cry. Uh, and, and, you know, Willow is just like, I'm going to bring you back. And it's just, ugh. Again, many tears, Steph. Many, many tears. Yes, many, many. Buffy's talking to Giles and Anya and she's like, that could be pivotal. Thank you, guys. So some sort of plan is forming. Giles says, we're going to need some. And Buffy says, we have time. 
But Giles says, if you hurry. So Buffy's like, okay, I'll grab weapons too. Xander says that he wants a broadsword. And Spike, like, chimes in and says, don't be swinging that thing at me. And he calls Xander a glorified bricklayer. And Xander says, I'm also a swell bowler. And Spike says, the gods themselves do tremble. Buffy says, Spike, shut your mouth and come with me. (laughs) And uh, they go... Buffy takes him to her house and she's telling Spike to grab weapons in the chest downstairs. She'll go upstairs to get what she needs. And Spike reminds Buffy that he can't enter the house because lest we forget, Kara, Spike has been a pervert this entire season and Buffy locked him out using magic. So he says, if you want to just hand them over the threshold, Buffy says, come in, Spike. So he does. And he's like, like, whoa, like, look at that. Like, no, no, no barrier. Um, he says, we won't bother with small stuff. A couple of axes should hold off Glory's mates while you take on the lady herself. And Buffy tells him, we're not all going to make it. You know that. Spike says, hey, I always knew I'd go down fighting. Buffy says, I'm counting on you to protect her. And Spike says, to the end of the world, even if that happens to be tonight. So stakes are pretty high in this season finale. And That's because now that you look back on it, okay, Buffy and Giles have had a heart-to-heart. Never a good sign. Xander has proposed to Anya, who says, wait to give that to me until after we live. Willow vows to save Tara. And now Buffy and Spike are having a talk where Buffy admits we're not all going to survive this. So I think if you're new to this show and you're watching this for the first time, you'd be probably pretty tense you're like someone's or multiple of these multiple people are gonna die die. yes someone's some not everyone's surviving i agree with buffy as buffy goes up the stairs spike says i know you'll never love me and she looks at him and he says i know that i'm a monster but you treat me like a man and that's then he says get your stuff i'll be here (sighs) okay um (laughs) so earlier this season i talked about how buffy was allowing this alliance to form between her and spike we talked about that in fool for love i was like i don't i don't want to call it a romantic relationship or even a friendship but there's an alliance happening here some sort of respect is building similar to season two right yeah 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 and then it got really really messy with all the stalking and the disgusting perverted behavior and the sex bot the sex bot and the tying her up and and shouting you bitches torture me so there there was a lot of that it right in the middle there and i know i know a lot of people were upset that you and i didn't like that stuff (laughs) but i think when i watch this scene I find this very interesting. I like this scene between the two of them. I don't agree, though. I, when Spike says Buffy treats him like a man, I think that he's been very useful to her in the past couple episodes. But I don't think she sees him as a man. I still think she sees him as like the vampire that she's always seen him. But I think the fact that Spike didn't give up Dawn to Glory right back in Intervention, I think that brought them back to this alliance path that we started on in that early mid-season range of time. And Buffy can give him a bit of her trust now, and he is winning a bit of that trust back, but that doesn't change my mind, or I think Buffy's mind, about Spike being an opportunist. And I don't think he's doing this because he likes Dawn, I think the more that she trusts him, the closer he's going to get to be with her. So I think protecting Dawn is part of that opportunity. 
However, I also think that Buffy sees Spike and his love for her as an opportunity for herself. Because he is going out of his way to protect her and Dawn. He's been there for the last three episodes, which really is only one day, <laughs> right? But he's going out of his way and like cutting his hands and putting himself in mortal danger for Buffy. And I think she's using that. Is it a bit manipulative? Perhaps. <laughs> but I don't think Buffy cares about that. I think she sees Spike as a tool and a, a means to an end. Buffy's mind is on Dawn. Buffy's mind is, right. is on yeah. the end of the world. So if getting Spike to help them uh, or like allowing the fact that he is in love with her, so he says, to manipulate him enough to use him, be like, I trust you, Spike. Come on in, Spike even though <laughs> there's a reason I blocked you out of the house. I think that's the angle she's playing, just to ensure that someone else is there to protect Dawn. And also, let's not forget that Giles straight up said, let's kill Dawn. So having someone that she can align herself with, even if it is Spike, might be to her benefit at this point. Does that make sense? <laughs> I feel like that was really all over the place. No, that's a fantastic analysis. You've said a couple of things I hadn't thought about. So great. And I agree with almost everything you've said. The idea that Buffy is using Spike here, very much agree with you on that. I think Spike does genuinely like Dawn. Um, and he's fond of her, right? Uh, I have a little bit more to say about that later in the episode. Um mm -hmm. So in terms of Spike's motivations, I, I think when he says, oh, you know, you treat me like a man, I think he believes that. I agree with you that I don't think Buffy actually does that. I think that's yeah. Spike's, <laughs> Spike's delusional, quote unquote, love for Buffy, making him feel that way. Um, but I, I think Spike genuinely does care for Don. Uh, because, you know, as much as I talk about, oh, vampires can't feel love or whatever, like, Vampires, I think, can still feel affection, right? Vampires can feel fondness for people and things, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they do have passions. So, you know, I, I think, you know, Spike sees Dawn as like a cool kid, right? Like this kid <laughs> sister kind of character who he, he looks at her and he thinks like she doesn't deserve what's happening to her, right? Um, he may, because he lacks a soul, he may not feel the same sense of moral obligation to protect her. And that was my argument that he can't really be a hero in intervention because of, you know, that. But I think he can be like, hey, this is a human that I feel fond for, right? Versus a human that I hate. Um, and so I would rather keep this human around, right? So that's kind of the calculus that his brain does. But I do, I love your interpretation of Buffy being like a stone cold bitch here, being like, <laughs> I know that Spike has feelings for me and I'm going to use them because I agree. It makes so much sense with where her character is at and her headspace right now. I just think like after a very long and problematic season of Spike abusing her, not just her body and disrespecting her space and making a sex bot of her. Right. There's no way she could be like, what a man. But she can be like, <laughs> this man, is a what fighter. A man, what a man, what a man. <laughs> right? But she can be like, damn, like he's useful. I can use right. this guy. And, and so I think there is a case if I if I'm gonna like try to be charitable to, you know, certain segments of the fandom. I think there's definitely a case that you could make in this episode, in this scene, that Buffy 
is feeling very fond towards Spike, right? Not necessarily love, but just like, hey, like Spike's really turning it around and I'm going to forgive him for all the terrible stuff he did, you know, three days ago. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you could make that case. I agree with you with your interpretation more than I would agree with that case, but I think that case could be made. But I don't think Buffy is thinking sexy thoughts about Spike. Be no. You know, Anya and Xander at this point, hell yeah, not thinking sexy thoughts about Spike. Sorry, that came out wrong. <laughs> Anya and Xander are thinking sexy thoughts about each other. <laughs> Buffy is not thinking about sex right now. Buffy only cares about Don. Yes. So there's no way she's looking at Spike right now being like, he's such a man. You know, he's really stepped it up. I'm starting to feel. And so that's where if you try to stretch the interpretation to that point, that's where you're going to lose me. Uh, I am slightly sympathetic to the idea that Buffy's you know, turning a corner on her understanding of Spike. But, you know, I think there's a lot of ways we can interpret it. I also want to add, too, that just just in the framing of this scene, yes, Buffy this is, such is a good point. on the stairs. Buffy's on the stairs. She's looking down at him. So Spike is still beneath her, right? <laughs> You're beneath me, she told him in the middle of the season. I think that's significant for them to have this conversation with him below her like that. Yes, I love that you pointed that out because I did not think that at the time. So mm -hmm. thank you for pointing it out because you're so right. Yeah, because I think and that's another reason why I am okay with her letting him back into her life, like literally by allowing him through the door and figuratively in securing his protection for her sister. It benefits Buffy. Buffy has the power here. And if she is allowing herself to start reaffirming some sort of respect and alliance with Spike, this is the way to do it. She is still above him. She's not at his level, but she sees his usefulness. She sees his loyalty and she's going to use it for herself. And I think that's totally awesome. <laughs> we are here for that. Don is being tied to the top of the platform structure, uh, and she's crying. <laughs> I would be crying too. I'm terrified of heights, and she's in Me barefoot. Too. Like these, uh, for lack of a better word, insane people and minions built this platform. There's no way that it it's, could be very it's sturdy. It's windy up there. Like yeah. she's barefoot on the the metal. Uh, it must be really cold. Like even those robes don't look that warm. Like she must be really cold at this point. Yeah. The Scoobies are all back in the magic shop now. Buffy and Spike have returned. Everything's on schedule. What did Buffy get? What did she pick up besides weapons? Do you want me to answer that right now? Yes. Clothes. Clothes. Oh, I see. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because literally at the very end of this episode, I was like, wait, <laughs> what did she get from there? So anyway, Willow goes to Tara and says, Tara, baby, is there somewhere you should be? And Tara says, they held me down. Willow says, no one's holding you. It's the big day, right? Do you want to go? And Tara leaves. So the plan is they're going to follow Tara. And Kara, is this a good plan? <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. Because I'm just like... I don't know. We don't know how far. Like, she could ha have to go to Rugs Field, which is a good hour and a half walk away. So I don't know if this is a good idea. I, I mean, you're you're right. The whole, like, do we have time? <laughs> they probably should have figured out where Glory is first and then figured out if they have time. Transit is, you're right. Transit time is important. I think this just goes to your point of how, like, Sunnydale is so small, it doesn't really matter. They do have vehicles, right? Xander's got a car and Giles has a car. And they have the car that they stole from Ben. So yeah, and, you know, it, it's also the case of, like, if Buffy can, like, look out 
side and figure out where the helicopter that's flying Riley away is, then surely they know where this giant tower is being constructed at 4 a.m. So they are going to follow Tara. Tara, before she leaves, points at Giles and says, you're a killer. This is all set to end. Whoa. (laughs) Foreshadow. Then she leaves. Buffy says, everyone knows their jobs. Remember, the ritual starts, we all die, and I'll kill anyone who comes near dawn. And she goes... I love that. I love it. (laughs) And Spike says, not exactly the St. Crispin's Day speech, was it? And Giles says, we few, we happy few. And Spike says, we band of buggered. So that is a reference to Shakespeare. Uh, I I recognize this one. Last last episode, we had uh, our classics expert, Rachel, write in about Drusilla, referring to, uh, alluding to Othello. Uh, do you recognize this Shakespearean allusion stuff? I do not. This is Henry V. This oh. is the, the St. Crispin's Day speech that King Henry gives uh, on the eve of the Battle of Agincourt. Um, it's like a famous speech that has you know, made its way into our cultural lexicon. It's inspired a lot of other speeches. It gets quoted all the time. That's where like the phrase Band of Brothers came from. Once again, you know, Shakespeare just like utterly leaving a mark on the English language. <laughs> um, so that's what Spike is saying is, you know, this is not exactly the same as Buffy riding up and down the line of her troops assembled for battle being like, it's going to be fine, guys. You got this. This is more like yeah. Buffy's like... I'll kill any one of you who comes here. <laughs> if you guys fuck this up, we're all dead. And also, <laughs> if you get in my way, I'll kill you. <laughs> oh, but, but like I said, Buffy's fucking done. She's fucking done. So Tara, sure enough, walks around the corner and there's the work site. <laughs> Because literally <laughs> took, what, two minutes? I love this. I love how salty we are about this. <laughs> Make it difficult for them. Come on. Um, literally. So, like, I don't know. It looked like they walked for, Do, do know, you think that minutes. the Sunnydale residents are just like, it's just those white boy gags up to their old <laughs> tricks? <laughs> they probably learned long ago not to ask any questions. Or maybe, like, maybe the mayor saw this coming a couple years ago and already, like, sent out the flyers and the notices to the residents in the area that there will be construction in the area soon. Do not be alarmed. Oh, is, is that is that what your company is doing? It's actually building, you know, it's prepping, it's laying the groundwork for glory to come to Toronto? Yes, so we can bleed <laughs> the key and open up portals. And that's exactly why... We send out these notices. So, yeah, Tara is, like, walking so slowly, and the Scoobies are following her. And they look at the structure, and Giles says, the portal must be up there. Do you need anything? Will says she needs a little courage. Spike offers her his flask. She says the real kind. So the minions and the workers are all doing things. <laughs> They're all doing tasks at the bottom of the structure but no one's up in i don't really know what else the they need to do at this point like right it's built. Built the structure. don is up there like are you cleaning yeah. up that shouldn't matter at this point <laughs> yeah right i guess they like do they have to build it higher like Take five like the, the portal's about to open so just chill yeah chill go for dinner i don't know glory sees tara enter right away and she's like what are you doing here and willow says she's with me and she grabs tara and glory light shines around all of them they all scream they all get thrown back so willow performed a witch's suck job on so but but she's she's taking it away and putting it back into tara so is this a blow job (laughs) this i perhaps this is more of a suck job than the other blow jobs if you know what i mean (laughs) 
because she's sucking. I'm suddenly uncomfortable and, and <laughs> regretting that I brought this up. A suck job switcheroo, we might call it. What is this what they mean when they say a 69? Ooh, could it be a 69? <laughs> oh my. Um, the minions go to glory. And she's like, what the freaking hell did that bitch do to me? She made a little hole. Oh, I need a, I need a brain to eat. And the minion's like, oh, take mine, oh, groovetastic one. <laughs> and she says, I said a brain, you worthless dirt. <laughs> I'm going to miss these minions so fucking much. She says, big day, please it to be a big day. Need a brain, need a brain. Then she's like, suppose I could use yours because Buffy is standing right there on a cool little angle cam camera angle <laughs> and she says okay then come and get it so glory is out of it and buffy says you don't seem very well and glory says your little witch bitch gave me kind of a headache but if you think this is gonna going to last more than eight seconds and buffy says i notice you're talking whereas in your position i would attack me and one minion says, oh, most sweaty, naughty feelings causing one. Should we? <laughs> I'm loving, I'm loving the uh, toady ache right now. This guy, this guy's scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> this guy actually wants to get with Glory. And Glory says, go guard the girl. This is, this is a, uh, this is a, uh, and the minion's like, diversionary tactic. And she's like, go guard. <laughs> you have the best minion voice, by the way. Oh, I love how grovelly they are. So. The minions force all the workers to swarm the stairs. And Buffy says, it's strange. You're not as blurry with speed as usual. And Glory says, the witch. And Buffy says, it's not her. And she pulls out the Dagon sphere. She says, might be this. I heard it's supposed to repel you. So my guess is you probably shouldn't touch it either. She throws it at her. Glory catches it and just breaks it with her hands. And she says, you're going to wish. But G Buffy has already approached her and starts punching her. And they start fighting. And the minions are on the stair on the stairs with the, all the insane people around them. And the one guy says, "Stand fast! Kill anyone who dares approach! This will be our day of glory!" <laughs> and the one minion says, "Well punned." And the, he says, "Oh, it just called out to me." <laughs> and then he gets shot with an arrow. <laughs> so, like, that was a better speech than Buffy's. Like, I would give it to the minion. <laughs> It's so true. It's so true. Anya, Giles, and Spike are fighting the people and the minions. Dawn is noticing that action is happening from up high. Willow goes up and finds Tara, and she um, seems like herself again, right? And Tara says, Willow. And Will starts to cry, and Tara says, I got so lost. And Willow says, I found you. I'll always find you. And they hug and they kiss. Aw. Buffy is still fighting Glory and holding her own, but then Glory says, you know what? I'm feeling a little better, and now I'm a little bored. So Buffy says, oh, I'm sorry. You're about to. And Glory knocks Buffy's head off. <laughs> but it's not Buffy, Kara. It's the Buffy bot, and that's I why she this. needed clothes. <laughs> so Glory says, wow, the Slayer's a robot. Did everybody else know that the Slayer's a robot? <laughs> like, I love how she like pauses. You know, There's a battle going on behind her. She's looking around. She's like... Is anybody seeing this? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Like, I like this is one of my favorite moments of the whole season. And the real Buffy is behind Glory, and she says, "Glory," 
And Glory turns around and Buffy knocks her across the yard with the troll hammer. And she says, you're not the brightest god in the heavens, are you? And this is when I noticed, so we take in Buffy's outfit. So um, the Buffy bot was obviously changed into something more what B- well, Buffy the, was wearing earlier. Yeah, so that was interesting to me. It's like Buffy got clothes, but then she changed the Buffy bot into the clothes she was previously wearing. I thought about this for a while. And I, I guess what I'm assuming is she's been wearing those clothes like for two episodes now um they're probably sweaty and gross and dirty and she's like i don't want to wear these to my boss fight yeah exactly she's like i want to be a little bit more comfy uh, a little cleaner uh but you notice she chose a white shirt so here we have another season finale again i call back to prophecy girl when she wore that white dress and you and i talked about the significance and the symbolism of a white dress on buffy on that day but here's buffy again wearing a white shirt and I wouldn't wear white to a construction site, just so you know. <laughs> oh, you would know. I would know. <laughs> uh, well, none of them are wearing high-vis vests or hard hats either, so or steel-toed shoes. <laughs> the work like. is done. We already said <laughs> the work is done. <laughs> um, her hair is down, though, and I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> that's not good for fighting, Buffy. Come on. Buffy's had her hair up a lot this season, so she's like, you know what? Season finale. That's true. I'm going to wear it down. It's probably sore. <laughs> so Dawn starts calling Buffy. <laughs> and Buffy starts climbing the structure. She's knocking minions out of her way. Glory says, oh, no, you don't. And she chases her. And they have an epic fight. It's so good. It's so good. So like, hey, we've seen epic fights before. We've seen like Buffy and Angel sword fight, right? We've seen Faith and Buffy at the end of season three. Even in season four, we saw saw some pretty decent fights there. This is good. Like, they're, like, swinging on chains. Buffy drops the hammer. She has the hammer again. She gets so many good licks in with Glory. She keeps hitting Glory over and over with this comically oversized hammer. It's hilarious. (laughs) They do do flip-de-doos. She has a backflip. She does parkour. Oh, the flip-de-doos are the best. Right? She's parkouring up and down and all over. Uh, They both end up falling to the ground i don't know how high up they were at that point but they both fall well if it were xander she would be dead it's like <laughs> oh my god right? glory says you lost your hammer sweet cheeks what are you gonna hit me with now then a wrecking ball cara a, a miley cyrus wrecking ball bursts through about the to wall say, insert anachronistic <laughs> reference to miley cyrus here <laughs> i never meant to start a war okay but how did xander how did Xander see her? <laughs> there was a wall in the way. He was waiting. He was waiting for his chance. <laughs> just like sitting. Xander, help. Help Anya, Spike, and Giles fight. Don't just sit in this thing. <laughs> but anyway, whatever. So Glory gets hit by this uh, wrecking ball and it knocks her over. And Buffy says, whatever's handy. <laughs> and Xander says, glorified bricklayer picks up a spare. All right. So... Anya, Spike, and Giles are all taking a break. They're huddled behind some equipment. There's too many people in the way of the stairs. Giles says, well, we only have a few minutes left to start the ritual. So, like, we're, we're good. But no, Giles, you cursed it. Because up at the top, the creepy old man demon from before. I think his name is Doc. In my notes, I called him creepy old man. That's, but, I like, called him creepy old man last, <laughs> last week. So, I think that's that has to be his moniker now. Um, Isn't he dead? Didn't we kill yeah, him? He, no, he, no, he opened his eyes at the end of that scene. Remember? He's like, ding. <laughs> Um, so yeah, here he is. And Don says, you, you can help me untie me. Please help me. She's coming. Oh, Don, 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 Donathan Summers. Like, Don, Donathan. 
That's your full name, right? <laughs> when you're tied at the top of a structure and you're about to be bled to death by an evil hell god, if a tiny white guy shows up smiling in like a suit, he's not on your side, honey. Oh, Donald. Oh, Donald. <laughs> Let's just call her. Donifer. <laughs> Donifer. Uh, so, um, yeah, he says she's running a bit late is the thing. If she can't be here in time to bleed you, Hey, kid, want to see a trick? And he pulls out a knife. <gasps> so Xander joins the Scoobies and Spike notices someone's up there with Dawn. And Xander um, says, we, we got to charge through them, right? But suddenly we hear Willow's voice inside Spike's head. She's like, Spike, can you hear me? And he's like, yeah, loud and clear. And she's like, is there someone up there with Dawn? And he's like, yeah, I can't tell who, though. And she says, OK, go, go like get up there now. Go. And Spike charges through towards the crowd and Sp and Willow grabs Tara's hand and the group of people that are crowding the stairs all get thrown yeah, aside. They basically part the sea, right? Like they're just like... Yeah. <laughs> and Spike manages to run up the stairs. And I, I had two things to th say about this. The first one was, shit, Willow is so powerful. Not only can she speak in people's minds now and suck job gods, but she can also, yeah, spread people like the sea. That was my first point. My second point was, why wasn't this the plan all along? <laughs> Well, we didn't know if she'd have Tara as an asset, right? Like Willow grabbing Tara's hand, she's using Willow uh, Tara's power like they've done in the past. And yeah. I think it's so sweet, right, that they're working together. But like Willow's getting more and more powerful because the more you use magic, the more power you unlock within yourself if she has this talent like she does, right? Mm -hmm. Like magic calls to magic. So the more that Willow leans into this aspect of her expertise... Uh, the more powerful she will become because, you know, she's getting more and more comfortable manipulating all these elements. Yeah, uh, but, like, also, like, the spike aspect of this, like, would it not have made sense for Spike to just sneak up the tower earlier? Because I feel like without the fighting, he could have done that as a vampire, as a lurker, you know? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think this. I think this all made sense. I think Buffy wanted to be the one to rescue Don, ideally, right? Mm, I'm just saying, if I were to critique this plan, not only was it funny that they followed Tara, <laughs> they're just like she'll lead us to there. No idea how long it's going to take. I think Spike should have like arguably gone and snuck up instead of creating this big fight. Anyway, he gets up to the top just as the old man is facing Don. He says, "What do you know? It's just about time." And Don shouts, "Spike!" And I was like, "Ugh." Donifer, the element of surprise is ruined. <laughs> and Spike really needed that element of surprise, we're going to learn very soon, because Spike says, doesn't a fella stay dead when you kill him? And the old creepy man says, look who's talking. And Spike says, come on, Doc, let's you and me have a go. The creepy man says, I do have a prior appointment. And Spike says, this won't take long. And the man says, I don't imagine it will. So as Spike advances... The old man, like, slips behind him somehow, stabs him in He's the back. faster than he looks. <laughs> I guess. I think he does CrossFit. <laughs> which, is another, which is another reason why I was like, Don, you shouldn't have shouted Spike. You should just let Spike sneak up. Um, Buffy's still beating up on Glory. She's looking rough, and Glory says, you're just immortal. You couldn't understand my pain. Buffy says, then I'll just have to settle for causing it. And she hits her with the hammer Buffy again. Buffy with the quips? Like, <sighs> girl, you're not even slowing down. Oh, I love her. And I love this line, too. Glory says, you can't kill me. And Buffy says, no, because my arm's not even tired yet. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's so good. good. Oh, it's so good. So she hits her again. So 
Spike manages to get this guy to drop the knife on the platform. And he says, you don't come near the girl, Doc. The old man says, I don't smell a soul anywhere on you. Why do you even care? And Spike says, I made a promise to a lady. The man says, oh. And then he distracts Spike with his long tongue. <laughs> He's like, whoop, by his, by his face. <laughs> and he trips him with his legs. And then he holds him at the platform. Somehow, this confused him. And he says, I'll send the lady your regrets. Spike stares at Don. He's like, no. And then he gets tossed off the platform, lands on the ground. I was like, Spike, my guy, my guy, like this was not a good fight for you at all. You didn't do anything. Does this mean, Kara, that what happens next is actually Spike's fault? <laughs> Steph? <laughs> Just like it's Spike's fault that Joyce had the aneurysm. <laughs> you might want to cover your ears for what I'm about to say next. <laughs> I think Spike's being a hero in this moment. Fascinating. Why do you think that? <laughs> so back in Intervention, I said, oh, you know, Spike's not being heroic for protecting Don's identity is the key because like anybody should have done that. That was just decency, right? Um, and he can withstand all that torture and stuff. So like I was pretty harsh on Spike because, you know, also sex bomb. In this moment, right, as I said earlier in this episode, I do think that Regardless of what we think about Spike's feelings for Buffy, he has a fondness for Dawn, for this little kid. When he runs up that tower and he gets there and he wants to rescue her, yes, I agree that like part of him is thinking, oh, this is going to get me in Buffy's pants. But he's willing to sacrifice himself for her, right? Like he's fighting this guy who then throws him off this structure. That, that's, a, that's a bigger deal. In my opinion, I think at this point, this is, you know, Spike really demonstrating some character growth from the previous seasons. Because if we think about to back to like season two, where he teams up with Buffy, he does that so begrudgingly just because he thinks the Slayer can, you know, distract and jealous enough for him to skedaddle out of town with Drew. And then in the, the season since then, it, it, mostly he's just been focused on, like, killing Buffy and being mean to Harmony and stuff. And then in this season, you know, a lot of his character development, sadly, has been based on this idea that he might have some kind of obsession with Buffy that some people might mistake for love. Mm -hmm. But now in this moment, you know, I think people are a little bit too free sometimes throwing around the H word. But I think we also have to, you know call it when we see it and in, in this case i do see an element of heroism to spike's actions he's putting his undead life on the line for dawn because like buffy's not seeing him fight up there right like he's not impressing buffy in this moment she's busy with glory down there but he's he's genuinely putting his undead life on the line for dawn here and, and i think he he would be quite sad you know if dawn were harmed uh, not just because it's going to ruin his chances with Buffy for all time, but also because like he likes Tom. I think that's a very valid reading of the text, Kara. <laughs> um, I get the sense you don't agree. No, I, it's not. No, I hear what you're saying. And sometimes, you know, we play fast and loose with the hero card for sure. However, I can't deny that like he is going out of his way. Buffy's not watching him do this. Buffy's preoccupied. So... There is something else in there for him. Could it be affection for Dawn? Could be. The way I see it, though, is earlier in this episode, Buffy made a statement to the Scoobies right before she said she loved them all. 
And Spike was like, me too. She said, Dawn is a part of me. Dawn, she's one with me. And I think that has something to do with the why Spike is so attached to Dawn as well. So right. does he like Dawn as a person? Possibly. But from the way I see it, I see it a lot more as like, this is my obsession with Buffy. And here's a piece of that obsession. Like if Dawn is part of Buffy, then I'm also going to be protecting and following it and okay. attached to it the way I am to her. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. We can keep exploring that perhaps <laughs> if the season continues after this episode, uh, if the series continues Wait, after this episode, <laughs> it, you know, in the future, we can keep looking at this development. Meanwhile, back on the ground. Glory is on her knees. And I love this. I love this because this is so different from season four where Buffy was getting her ass kicked by Adam before they did the conjoining spell um, or enjoining or whatever it was. I love that Buffy is actually fighting a god here and winning. Uh, you know, there's there's no tricks here. There's no sp- like like Willow did that initial spell to kind of like disorient Glory. But like Buffy is winning against a god. Glory's on her knees. She says, stop it. And Buffy hits her again with the hammer, you know, and Glory lands on her back. And Buffy says, you're a god. Make it stop. (laughs) And Buffy just wails on Glory. Like, we don't see Glory. But, like, you know, if Buffy were fighting an ordinary mortal, this person would be pulp at this point. And then we see Glory turn into Ben. Uh, And he's in very rough shape. And he says, I'm sorry. And then Buffy holds, you know, she's like, tell her it's over. She missed her shot. She goes. She ever, ever comes near me and mine again. And Ben says, we won't. I swear. So Buffy leaves. And Ben's coughing. And he's lying there on the ground. Um, and he, he says, presumably to Glory, I guess we're stuck with each other. Huh, baby? And we see some legs approach. These legs are attached to a person. <laughs> oh, good. The person is Giles. <laughs> Imagine they're just like, the Buffy bot legs are just walking around. Oh dear. The Buffy bot kills, ends up killing Lori. They did a really good job reprogramming her, by the way. Yes. Yeah. And she has like a different, like a more sassy personality too, right? which is. No more like vampires of the world. Beware. But you know something, because obviously watching the episode, I knew that was the Buffy bot the whole time. I forgot that part. Oh, really? You're like, Even though wow. that's my, one of my favorite lines. I'm just like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. She's a, she's a robot. Sarah Michelle Gellar still raised her voice to sound Buffy Bot like during that mm. conversation with Glory. So I'm just surprised she didn't stop and be like, "But where's Spike at his sexy arms?" <laughs> no, Willow destroyed all that. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, there sorry, are legs. Sorry. The legs belong to Giles. Uh, G- the Giles, the mouth of Giles on top of the leg says, "Can you move?" <laughs> and Ben says, I-, "I need a minute." She could have killed me. Ben's thinking Giles is going to help him up. Yeah. Ben, you stupid, sexy, <laughs> ex-intern, treachery, murdering guy. Like, you sexy idiot. I can't believe. Giles says, no, she couldn't. Never. And sooner or later, Glory will reemerge and make Buffy pay for that mercy in the world with her. Buffy even knows that. Still, she couldn't take a human life. And he just had his glasses off. He puts them back on, which is, you know, when Giles <laughs> takes his glasses off and then puts them back on, that's even worse. Uh, shit just got extra real. Mm-hmm. Real times too. Mm-hmm. He says in his most chilling Tony head voice, 
She's a hero, you see. She's not like us. I'm getting chills saying it. Uh-huh. Ben says, us? And that's when Giles suffocates Ben. He covers Ben's mouth and he kills an innocent. I don't know if Ben is innocent. I, I, I think we could make an argument he's not. But he's the one who kills Ben in just cold blood. And he's emotionless when he does yeah. it. This is the Ripper. Yeah. This is, you know, and I can see how somebody might be shocked to see Giles do this. But I think this is entirely consistent with the character that we saw all the way back to season um, season three. When Giles pushes Snyder up against the wall, right? And it's like, you will let her back into the school. Yeah. And maybe now's not the time for me to say, didn't Buffy kill 10 people yesterday? <laughs> 10 LARPers? Oh, right. Um, the LARPers. <laughs> well, they, they definitely <laughs> weren't innocents, though, right? Like, they were trying to kill her. <laughs> still, I think that's different. Still, she killed one with an axe. Anyway, anyway. They were on horses. <laughs> How many horses did she kill at the same time? Um, th- yeah, this is dark. And like, is it shocking? Like, do you find that Giles murdering someone in cold blood in front of us? Season five. Is it I shocking? I don't find it shocking. I can see how other people would find it shocking. Right? Because Giles yeah. is supposed to be a good guy. He's supposed to be a fumbly librarian. But we've been talking about the journeys of Buffy, of Willow throughout the last five seasons. Giles has had a dark journey. Like, remember yeah. when he found his girlfriend's body in his bed? And then he went after. <laughs> I'm sorry, right? the way you said that. <laughs> the original The Body episode. <laughs> well, I was, I was, th- I was thinking, of, I'm like, when did he find Joyce murdered in his bed? <laughs> You're like, wait a second. <laughs> did I skip that episode? Uh, um, hey, Giles knows the score. And I think also this whole season, we've been calling him Daddy Giles because of how he's been there for Buffy. Well, here's a much darker, twistier way in which he is there for Buffy. Because he says he's doing this for her. Question. Yeah. Totally off topic. Uh, my understanding, and this is, this is being reinforced by you, but also by, uh, shout out to Kayla from Left of Skeptic, one of her chosen ones. My understanding is that at the moment, Pedro Pascal is the new daddy of the internet. He is, indeed, yes. So what do we think about if we were going to like reboot Buffy the Vampire Slayer would we cast Pedro Pascal as the Watcher? Uh Uh-huh, yep. No hesitation. None. (laughs) That is an excellent Watcher. I just wanted to paint that picture for you, Steph, before we finish this recording and you go to bed today. Wow. Season finale for Steph. (laughs) (laughs) Something to really think about (laughs) as we go on our break. Uh, That would be amazing. Please let it happen. But Disney. <laughs> this is so classic, though, right? Is it's like the hero always needs people around her to do the dirty work. And yeah. I really think about Doctor Who. You know, something that they explore, um, especially in uh, New Who, is this idea that the doctor is most dangerous because they turn people into weapons. They turn humans into weapons. The doctor does not kill, but the doctor is fine with their companions killing. And, um, well, not fine, but the doctor tends to radicalize people around them. And we see it time and again, right? And that's what that, some, of, some of their companions end up criticizing the doctor for this. But that's what we're seeing here, where it's like, well, Buffy's not going to kill a quote unquote innocent, but she's got people around her who will, right? She's got people to do this necessary dirty work. And I, I think that's also a very interesting commentary on what we think of as heroism. 
I also want to bring up really quickly just the difference between Buffy, who has this moral code, I do not kill, even though she killed a lot of people yesterday. Then we have Giles, who is the man, right? Like Buffy representing, you know, feminism and the feminine hero. Giles, um, as an older man, watcher, he kills Ben in cold blood here. And it was also Xander earlier who suggested they should kill Ben. So two men taking on that more violent action or thought process, whereas Buffy never really did, even though she did threaten to kill her entire friend group. So maybe this has no bearing. I just think it's interesting. You know what I mean? Like I, just, I mean, I, there, there is a part of me that really, <laughs> really wants to see this alternate timeline where she has to cut down all of them. And so that's really yeah. dark. Like, no, replace replace the creepy old man with Giles and Buffy <laughs> has to go up there and fight him. I'm just saying, like, there could be commentary there, not enough that my brain could handle at the moment. But, you know, like women, the, the feminine versus the masculine and how they deal with these villains sometimes i see what you're saying i don't entirely agree but i see what you're saying because i'm thinking about faith and how faith would also kill people but i think you're on to something in the sense that like faith was always portrayed as a more masculine slayer than buffy yeah right and and so i i think that maybe you're right maybe the show is making that commentary if we expand our thinking just to this idea of masculine versus feminine heroes in culture at large i would Mm -hmm. say I'm not sure I agree because there are a lot of male heroes who don't kill, right? Like famously, for most in most of his portrayals, Superman does not kill to the point where people got really, really upset in um, I think it was Man of Steel where he kills Zod, right? And people were like, but Batman kills people, but Superman doesn't, right? And that was like this distinction between Superman was the, the hero of the light and Batman was the hero of the dark, right? So... I'm not sure it's a masculine versus feminine thing. I think it's more about how different writers, different storytellers have kind of different overriding interpretations of what it means to be a hero. Characters like Batman and Giles, characters who shade closer to being anti-heroes in many ways, right? They embody these collective darker impulses of our humanity that say, you know, it's kill or be killed. Sometimes you have to kill people to survive, right? Whereas Superman, Supergirl, um, uh, you know, Buffy, like these characters are embodying uh, the light and, and the, you know, humanity standing up against the darkness, right? Like that is Buffy's role as the Slayer, as much as the show does try to paint her as this dark death is your gift kind of thing. Like, Buffy has always been standing up against the darkness and her humor is a part of that. So I I think what I take away from this is Buffy doesn't kill, not just because it's, it's part of some kind of moral code, but because at the end of the day, right, Buffy represents humanity. So for her to kill other humans goes against her, her role, her cosmic role, in this whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. Giles doesn't bear the weight of that representation, right? Giles is not standing in as the slayer for all of humanity in the fight against evil. So you can kill whoever he wants. It doesn't matter. Um, That's why it was so egregious when Buffy, sorry, when Faith killed uh, Alan Finch, RIP, because not, it's not just because, you know, Faith expressed no remorse, 
But when Faith was talking about taking that power for herself, the Slayer power is not for the Slayer. The Slayer power is for humanity. It's being embodied in a single woman so that she, you know, she can fight on behalf of humanity. But that power doesn't belong to her. So for a Slayer, whether it's Buffy or Faith or anybody, to use that power against other humans would be a violation of that covenant, basically. Right, right, right. And I think that's where I was like, well, perhaps there's a gendered thing only because the Slayers are always women in this particular case. But no, I agree with you. I don't think that the show is making commentary on that. It's just something that I'm like, I think there couldn't be a discussion around it just based on what Giles has done here and what Buffy won't do. Thank you for uh, explaining that. Let's move on because guess what? The creepy old man is cutting Dawn and it's actually... It's actually really hard to listen to. You don't really see him cutting her. Um, he yes, keeps you saying, do. Well, you do, but like, um, he's like shallow cuts, shallow cuts, and like it's it's, it's her screaming. It's her way screaming. Way more graphic than I remember it being on network television. Like, ugh. Yeah. Um. And we see that her blood coming out. She's crying. It's her screaming that got me right. Um. So so Buffy says, "Dawn," and the old man turns to her to Buffy and says. This should be interesting. And he goes to stop her. And Buffy literally just pushes him off the, <laughs> off the platform. <laughs> That's awesome. I, yes. I, I love that. Because he's like, oh, right? Like, I just took care of Spike. This is going to be easy. And Buffy's yeah. like, zero time for you. <laughs> she, like, pushes him off. So funny. Anyway, Dawn says Buffy it hurts. So Buffy's helping Dawn out of her ropes. And she's leading her away. But the blood that has dripped off Dawn has, unfortunately opened the portal to hell okay so the portal is there it's like this big light right and don says buffy it started and there are lightning strikes that come out of the portal and one hits the sunnydale main street and creates a sinkhole and i was like oh no another sinkhole in sunnydale and then another one hits the city hall and like turns it into like this burnt alien demon place <laughs> oh no and then it's really creepy um <laughs> They spent a lot of they spent a lot of money on that costume for the alien or demon things. Right? Have we seen those guys before? I don't think so. They look like like they don't look like they're part. Of, I mean, obviously they're from a different dimension, but they look like aliens. I also, you know, what I I thought when I saw this lightning was hitting places, I'm like, what happened to Rugsfield? <laughs> oh God, no! <laughs> well, they're in Rugsfield. We can assume. <laughs> so so. Um, the Scoobies are all watching this happen from below. Anya pushes Xander out of the way from falling debris and she gets hurt. Dawn tells Buffy, I'm sorry. And Buffy says, it doesn't matter. And Dawn tries to run past Buffy and Buffy stops her. She's like, what are you doing? Don Jalot, don't be a hero here. <laughs> Don Jalot. Um, <laughs> Buffy says, uh, Dawn says, I have to jump the energy. And Buffy says, it'll kill you. And Don says, I know about the ritual. I have to stop it. And Buffy says, no. And Don says, I have to look at what's happening. And a dragon literally flies out of the portal. <laughs> you know it's bad where. You guys, oh God, we should close it. Don says, Buffy, you have to let me go. Blood starts it. And until the blood stops flowing, it'll never stop. You know, you have to let me. And Buffy stares at her and Don says, it has to have the blood. And again, I'm impressed with Dawn here. She's brave. She's smart. She's willing to sit, to die right now. She to save the world to shut yeah. to keep dragons out of here. Like we've come a long way from blood ties, where she's like, I don't want any part of this. Right, and here's you and me being like, Donathan. 
<laughs> Donald, no. Um, flashback to Spike. Okay, so Buffy's having flashbacks. Flashback to Spike earlier saying it always has to be blood. We go back to the episode Blood Ties when Buffy and Dawn shared their blood in a handshake. And you and I were like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> but like we get the symbolism. And Buffy says, it's Summer's blood. It's just like mine. We cut to Buffy's speech earlier this episode. Not the one where she says, I'll kill you all. Get my way. The one where she says, Dawn is me. The monks made her out of me. And then we cut to Sinea. (laughs) No, no. And Sinea says, death is your gift. And Buffy says, death? And Sinea says, is your gift. Took you a whole season, but we got there. Uh, uh, okay understanding hits Buffy's face we shouldn't be laughing this is so serious um, I have to laugh or I'm gonna cry Steph. I know I this might is cry. why I don't think Buffy's had a death wish this whole time because she's just figuring it out right she didn't go up yeah. on that tower expecting to sacrifice herself for Dawn she went up that tower to rescue Dawn and so they could all live happily ever after she didn't want to die she has accepted her fate in this moment, but this isn't something that she was expecting to do. She was expecting to die in the sense that they might lose, but she wasn't expecting to die so that they would win. No, I agree with you. And I think back when um, Spike had told her, you know, you would death wish, we, you and I were like, does she? I don't think she does. Um, I think there's more to it than that. So I agree with you. Um, the understanding that hits Buffy's face is more like, oh, like finally I get what Sanea was telling me, what she told me 17 times. She turns to look over Sunnydale and she sees that the sun is rising. It's dawn. <laughs> it's dawn, Kara. Spike's going to die. Yeah, he better get into the sewers. So um, she looks back at dawn. And Don says, no. And she says, Donnie, I have to listen to me, please. There's not a lot of time. Listen. And we see Buffy telling Don something, but we don't get to see it. We hear it. We just hear Don's reaction to it. I assume it's like the key code to the safe or something. (laughs) You can have my bike. You can use my room. Whatever. Whatever. No, we can't. We can't make fun of it. Don't read my diary. (laughs) Can you just take the box that's at the bottom of my drawer and burn it skip the parts where angel and i had sex (laughs) burn that box don't look at it just burn it um oh no okay so the music let's talk about the music for a second it's so good we have to i'm gonna cry now i know i'm we're laughing because it's gonna this is hard for us the music is so fucking stunning i love this soundtrack buffy kisses dawn's cheek tears are pouring down dawn's face in slow motion buffy the vampire slayer turns around And we see slow motion, her running down the platform. She leaps majestically off the platform, like swan dive. The judges raise their cards. It's a solid 10, 10, except for the Russian judge who gives it a (laughs) 9.5. But he was coerced, of course. Um, (laughs) Yeah, she jumps directly into the portal as Dawn cries. And as Buffy hits the portal... We see that she looks like to be in pain and the energy around the portal is like sucking the life out of her. And we start to hear Buffy's voiceover and she says, Dawn, listen to me. Listen, I love you. I will always love you. This is the work that I have to do. And as we see Buffy struggling in the portal, suddenly she just becomes still and the portal closes and the sun rises. And so... The sun is coming up um, at the bottom of the structure. We see Tara and Willow uh, walking over. They're supporting each other. 
Xander's carrying Anya, who is awake. Giles is slowly approaching, and they're all staring forward at something, um, disbelievingly. And the camera is slowly taking in all the Scoobies walking toward them. Spike is there as well. Um, he's walking forward, and he's trying to avoid the sunlight. And the camera's slowly pulling back and back. And as it pulls back, we hear Buffy's voice voiceover saying, Tell Giles, tell Giles I figured it out, and I'm okay. And the camera pulls back, and we see Buffy's dead body lying on debris on the ground. <laughs> I'm, like, getting upset. We hear Buffy saying, And give my love to my friends. You have to take care of them now. You have to take care of each other. You have to be strong. Willow starts crying. Um, Xander and Anya are just staring sadly at the body. Giles looks broken. Spike starts bawling into his hands. As Dawn descends the stairs from from the structure, she sees Buffy's body and she starts to cry too. And we hear Buffy say, Dawn, the hardest thing to do in this world is to live in it. And then we get a cut back to Buffy's face telling Dawn, be brave, live for me. And then we cut to a tombstone. Some time has passed. Um, it's, it's sunny out. We're in a park somewhere, I think. And we see a tombstone that says Buffy Ann Summers, 1981 to 2001. <laughs> I'm so sad. Beloved sister, devoted friend. She saved the world a lot. And we cut to black. So Buffy died, but Buffy sacrificed herself to save not only her sister, but the world. And I'm devastated. <laughs> oh, like what what gets me about that scene? Buffy looks at peace. <laughs> and that's also why, like, throughout the episode, I was pointing out, like, Buffy is just done. Like, she's done. She's tired. She's done. But at the end of the day, when she realizes that death is her gift, she doesn't take that negatively. She sees that as a positive, not only because sacrificing herself for the love of her sister and for love essentially she's at peace with that and i think in a lot of ways not that she had a death wish at all but i think in a lot of ways she wasn't afraid she she would find she's gonna find relief in this decision like if she's gonna die no matter what doing it to save her sister was the way she would want to go yeah yeah um damn you joss whedon you know we saw this a little bit in Prophecy Girl, but what he's done here at the end of season five, you know, and I don't know how I feel about this. It's very cheeky. There's a Christ allegory going on here because Buffy is sacrificing herself to save humanity, right? Like she dies to save humanity. Um, death is her gift. You can read that as a very kind of biblical allegory for the fact that you know, Christ was born onto this earth to die for humanity, right? Like that is literally his purpose. And in doing so, he kind of like washes away original sin, uh, you know, and that's what Buffy's doing here is Buffy's sacrificing herself for humanity. So humanity has a second chance at, you know, being good and getting through things in the world and getting through life and getting to some kind of eternal reward, right? And so I think I think it's very interesting that that is how Joss Whedon had, you know, Buffy go. I think we also have to remember that at this time, you know, these days, 
it's so much more common to kill characters off. Like, I don't know if you feel that way, Steph, but like, it just mm-hmm. feels more common on TV to just kill off main characters here and there, left and right. It's like, oh, you know, like, let's just kill off another main character. Back in 2001, this was a big deal. Like, you don't do this with your characters. You know, the only other, like, the only other death around this time that I can remember, and I, I didn't watch this show when it was first coming out, so I didn't actually watch it until long, long after, but like, I remember when they killed off Prue in Charmed, right? In the middle of the series. And you're like, but she's one of the three. She's one of the sisters. Like, what are they going to do now? And it was huge. You know, it was this huge event. And so I'm not trying to make the case that Buffy is obviously like the first show to kill off one of its main characters and is so like devastating. But like to watch this when it first happened in that era it, it, it hits even harder because it feels so significant. And of course, obviously, it's also like the main character. It's Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> it's Buffy. And oh, like to see the other characters react to her death is also like so striking and like they're feeling what we're feeling. Like I can only imagine what it was like to see this for the first time. But again, like I, I, what I personally love about that ending is not only the speech, which means so much, but for me, it's the fact that she looked at peace with this choice. And I, and as I said earlier, her whole journey this season was kind of laced with this negativity around her Slayer heritage. She was telling Giles not too long ago that she feels like she lost her ability to love, right? She feels like she's been shaken down. In this episode, I said she's losing her sight of humanity. Perhaps killing Dawn would have been the last straw for her, where she literally says, I quit. Like, I can't do this life anymore. If I have to kill her, it's not fucking fair. So to see her realize that what death, death being her gift actually means, that it's not that she lost her ability to love, it's that she loves so much that she can give this gift to the world and save the world with her life yeah it's not fair that's the christ allegory yeah that's what i'm saying yeah like that's that's why i find it very beautiful yeah like that line right the hardest thing to do in this world is to live in it that's an iconic line it is not just one of the best lines of the series but i would argue it's one of the best lines i have ever experienced in in fiction i quote it to myself all the time it's hard to exist in this world as a human and i think we all feel that in various ways at various points throughout our lives. So what Buffy's going through here, you know, even if you haven't experienced the death of a parent, even if you, you know, have not been saving the world from multiple apocalypses, like her her experience here, the 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 pain that she's feeling, the exhaustion like you've been saying that she's feeling, the difficulty she's having connecting and loving people. It's so universal and it's so relatable. And that sentence, again, like, damn you, Joss Whedon, <laughs> for like such a compelling, trite, yet true thing to say. Like, oh, I don't know if I will ever write words that even approach the profundity of that statement ever. And also like the end, the the... The very ending of that quote to be brave, live in it for me, right? Like I sacrificed myself for you. Because that, that, yes, that is the courage, right? Like 
Buffy is saying, I'm sacrificing myself because I am not as strong as the rest of you, right? Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm noping out of this, right? You should <laughs> yeah. live for me. And, and I think that's really powerful because she's, th this is a message of hope. This is her telling Dawn and by extension, the others that it's okay to struggle. It's okay mm -hmm. to feel like this is the hardest thing you've ever done is just continue to exist in this world. But she's saying continuing to live is brave, right? And I that's why when you pointed out that we saw like the reactions to all of the uh, all of the Scooby's reactions, I think that's so powerful and valuable because we're seeing that they are connected to Buffy's death, right? Just like we saw them all grieving Joyce's death a few episodes ago. Now we're seeing them all grieve Buffy's death. And I, I think that's a really important message to take away from this, which is when you lose somebody close to you, you, you are not alone because there's other people around you who are experiencing that loss as well. And you can come together in that loss um, and, and, you know, have people to talk to. Poor Dawn. She lost her mom, like, what, two, three weeks ago? And now... She's just lost her sister? Like, oh my god, this kid is going to need serious therapy. Yes, she needs to go to therapy. Um, who's your hero? <laughs> Mine's Buffy. <laughs> Who else? Yeah, like, like I'm not even going to joke. Um, right? They can't be, she, she literally saved the world a lot. Right, she does a selfless, selfless act and gives yeah. her life for not only her sister, but the world. And um, yeah, that, that's why, like, there's nothing more heroic to me than that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ballsy move by Joss Whedon to kill off the title character of the series and then go get your series renewed for two seasons. <laughs> and be like, oh, what's going to happen now? How do they? I mean, there are other there are other series that survive their main character leaving like Stargate SG-1 did it with Richard D Dean Anderson. But the show wasn't called Richard Dean Anderson or, you know, <laughs> yeah. like the show was called Stargate SG-1. The show is called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So like, what happens now? Buffy bought the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Buffy bought, yeah. Do they bring Faith back? Um, yeah. Does Dawn decide she's going to be like, you know, she's going to be like, I'm the Slayer now. Like, you know, she isn't actually the Slayer, but she's like, I guess I can be the Slayer in spirit. Like... What goes on? What happens now? Like this is. Well, we're like, not going to is... find out for three more months, Kara, because we're it's, going to It'll break. be like we've actually <laughs> waited for the next season to come out. I, I love that, but I also hate that. I hate that <laughs> it's so far away. I want to keep watching. Yeah. So, so I would love to hear what people think about this. Well, the, the lawyer told me that I couldn't pressure you to come back from Matt Leaf sooner. So, something about it's regulations true. and rules. I don't know. Because I could sue Prophecy Girls Inc. If that happened, <laughs> which I would love to do because obviously we're rolling in money. I knew it. I knew you were just here for that fat lawsuit paycheck. <laughs> just biding my time. Um, we have decided, Car and I, um, for the series finale, not to read out any hot stakes. We're going to save them. Season finale. For our season finale. We're going to save them for our season five wrap up episode. So... Again, the, we're recording this way before anyone hears the end of season five. Like, I think by the time we're recording season five wrap up, we'll be letting out uh, forever. I think we're just following up from the body. So if we get a lot of hot stakes over our break, perhaps we'll do a little grab bag, a little a little mailbag episode. 
Our next episode will be the season five wrap up. And then we have some bonus episodes, as Cara said at the beginning of this episode. So don't you worry, your hot stakes are coming. Indeed. And, you know, while we are on the break, we'll still be on social media. You can always find us on Discord, right? Continue the conversation there. Uh, we are not going anywhere. It's just going to be, you know, a little bit longer between seasons than you are used to. <sighs> wow. What a devastating <laughs> episode. I know. I can't believe we're finished season five. Best episode of the series, in my opinion. Like, it goes by so fast, and you want it to, you want it to be longer. Like, I, I would watch this episode for two hours, but, like, the amount of time, they, the, the amount of stuff they smush into 43 minutes and they get this episode done and out the door, like, it is so <laughs> good. You say that when Go Fish is just sitting right there <laughs> for us to watch. You went there. Join us next week as we do a deep dive into Go Fish and why it's the best episode of the series. <laughs> Thank you so much to all of our Buy Me a Coffee supporters. Uh, and we have a new supporter to thank. A new chosen one has joined us, Steph. Woohoo! One of our, our Discord, our longtime Discord uh, participants, Homeless Opossum, also known as Reese. Longtime social media presence as well for us. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. Uh, and he says, I became a fan of Buffy back when I was 15 or 16 when I found it on Netflix. Uh, but I do have vague memories of scenes from back in the early 2000s. I recalled sets like the bronze and a girl with red hair who must have been Willow. But I was so young, you know, I, I was too young to really understand the show. After the first few episodes, I realized I loved the show. And as I watched along, I fell more and more in love with it because it just kept getting better. Did you see season seven? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, hey. <laughs> uh, Reese says, my favorite character is a hard one to answer. But if I had to choose one off the top of my head, it would be Cordelia for her character progression from her mean high school queen bee persona to the woman we see in Angel who strives to do the right thing and help the helpless. After her, it would be Anya. I just find her so funny and I can't help but laugh whenever both these women are on screen. Favorite episode? The Body. Sarah Michelle Gellar brought her all to that episode, especially the beginning. You could feel how she felt even if you hadn't experienced it for yourself. That's how powerful her acting was. So thank you for joining us reese and uh you know thank you to all of our chosen ones lizzie holly kayla jordan julian nicola luis joshua reese thanks reese emma Taza, kyle destiny erica allison jace Haley, and tasha all right bye everyone Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week